Theo Epstein goes into the Hall of Fame. Are we going to Cooperstown? I think so. Yeah. Yes. 100%. I think, I mean, I, I, it's hard to think of, outside of Rizzo, anyone who would go from from this group who I would go to Cooperstown harder for. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, he and I, like I guess it's it's hard to say with with guys like that what the eligibility is going to be, right? It's uh, the executives are always handled by the like old timers committees that that they do every winter, mm. and I yeah I I know that they like you to be like retired retired at that point unless you're Tony Larusa and drunk apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God dang it, I'm halfway to the Hall of Fame. It turns <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mentioned this on my pod last week, but Tony Larusa is the only guy I can think of who was more excited telling someone he was a baseball Hall of Famer during his DUI than he was during his induction ceremony. <laughs> I, I believe the exact term was Hall of Famer person. Hall of Famer yeah. baseball guy, yeah. You, you yeah. know you're drunk when you forget your job description. Like, I know there's a word for it. It's a baseball It's a baseball guy. I'm a baseball guy. I tell the other guys <laughs> what to do. And we're telling all you guys and gals what's up today on this special crossover podcast. We have, uh, obviously, the Cubs brawl away game, guys. I'm one of them. I'm Kevin McCaffrey. There's Adam Amawala over there. Hello. Hey, man. And then we have our friend Ken Schultz is here on this crossover. Hey guys, yes, and this technically also counts as episode 52 of Three Strikes You're Out in the Outsports Podcast Network, which I didn't look it up today, so I'm going to say the Jim Bullinger episode, and I don't know why. Uh, I believe it's the Justin Grimm episode, thank you very yes, much. that works. It's and the I, Sergio Mitre episode, <laughs> if you will. Wow. The- Wow. The depth on these 52 calls is pretty good. We were talking about birthdays before this because we're recording this on Ken's birthday, and I'm pretty sure Jim Bollinger has my birthday. Hi. So this is uh, what what a what, uh, man. <laughs> just the facts are spilling out so hard. But it is uh, so how appropriate is it that it is the Justin Grimm episode of uh, mm-hmm. Ken's Outsports podcast because uh, Grimm was acquired by the man we're here to fet besides Ken and his birthday. We're fetting another yeah. guy today. And, and I also want to point out, uh, as I did to you folks before we started recording, that today is my half birthday, uh, not my actual birthday, but a half birthday really feels like something that a Cubs fan would have celebrated pre-Epstein. Like that's the sort of bullshit non-accomplishment that'd be like, well, you know, we won 78 games. That's a win. Yeah. Today, today is your sneak in the wild card in game 163 and get swept in the division series. Hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I. It, it, yeah. Trying to think of. Uh, yeah. The 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 success and the reasons for celebration were so sporadic before. <laughs> you know. Um. And it is. Uh. Obviously, we're all a little spoiled over these last. Uh. I mean, you know. I guess I. I should always know exactly how long it's been with Theo because. Uh. The day he signed with the Cubs was the day I proposed to my wife. Um, it was October twelfth, twenty eleven. So that is when Theo. Uh, officially signed with the Cubs. My wife and I, we woke up in the Aria Hotel in Las Vegas and uh, woke up and I turned the TV on and the ticker across the bottom was saying Theo Epstein uh, signed with the Cubs. I'm like, cool, two good things today. And it's like, and now I've been married seven years and <laughs> the day, but the day I proposed was the day Theo showed up. I love that. And it kind of, it kind of works actually, because it's like you, you propose Theo mm-hmm. joins the Cubs and both of you were like, in doing this, I am planning one major celebration. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One major celebration. It will be a bummer when I tell Jamie I'm resigning from the marriage later today. <laughs> it's like, but you know, you gotta. You, the symmetry has to has to stay tight. You know. Sorry. Yeah, imagine if Epstein's like, you know, in his marriage, like, you know, after ten years, it just it's time to let somebody else take the reins. And <laughs> sorry, Jamie. Here's your new Bill, husband. Here's your new husband, Jed Hoyer. <laughs> Bill, Bill Walsh told me to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the Bill Walsh plan. Divorce every ten years. It's a very Larry King, I think, was was he the the Bill Walsh of marriage? Uh, I guess. Um, or Johnny Carson, yeah. Yeah, do, yeah. All the all the Joannes. Um, yeah. So we're. I mean, like, obviously, he. Let's, let's actually, just, since we're flashing back, yeah. um, let's flash back to the summer of twenty eleven, uh, just for a second. The the immediate pre-Theo era, which I don't know how you guys felt that year. That, for me, I was thinking last night, was probably like the lowest point as a Cub fan mm-hmm. for me in my lifetime. Just how I felt about the organization, about the direction they were headed in. That was the last year of Jim Hendry. It was the Carlos Pena era, nothing against Los. Yeah. Uh, it was the Mike yeah. Wadi era, where it just mm-hmm. felt like everybody who was at the highest level of power in this organization was the dumbest possible person you could pick for that position. <laughs> yeah. And that was the only summer where I thought to myself, you know, is this really worth doing anymore? If this is what they're just going to keep throwing at me year after year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like there was a, a stretch of about maybe two or three weeks from in like July and August that year where I watched maybe one or two games. And every time, even when they won, it felt like, uh, shit, they're going to, win enough games to for Rickus to say, ah, oh, Hendry's plan is working, so here's another five years. And to go from that that low to on the day of Kevin's engagement to be feeling like, <laughs> oh my God, they got the actual best person you could get for this position. And then to have it work as well as it did for the next nine years. I mean, there is no I, I did was not mentally prepared for the Cubs to be that competent good and eventually just brilliant you know absolutely and it seemed like such a getting the guy who's the best at the job when he was available seemed like such an uncubs thing growing up you know i mean it's sort of a feeling i had when the cubs were in the playoffs in 98 because i was i i vaguely remember 89 but i was kind of too young to really feel that one um yeah, yeah, it seems great. It seemed like a great time. But when they made the playoffs in 98, I remember being like, it's weird because part of me just didn't feel like we were allowed to do this. <laughs> and getting Theo Epstein was kind of the same thing where, uh, you know, obviously there were there were stops and starts of Cub success through the 2000s. But it really felt like, oh, man, we should be like one of the best teams now <laughs> just <laughs> consistently because of this one guy which you know i mean he was the most obvious hire this is the main good thing the rickets have ever done is hire the most obvious hire uh for the good job which is like you know it doesn't sound like saying a lot i'm really glad it happened but uh but you know the cubs hadn't really done that before i mean i i I feel like my feelings perhaps i'm overstating this with this analogy but like my feelings when the cubs got epstein it's it's kind of how i feel now hearing about multiple uh really encouraging vaccine uh (laughs) results where it's like I know it's going to take some time, but I, re- I finally feel like this nightmare is going to be over at some point. This is the humanity rebuilding effort phase. We're about to enter like 
America's 2012 regular season. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, Nobel Prize going to Brian LaHare. <laughs> yeah, it's got to go to somebody. He <laughs> goes, uh, yeah, man, I don't want to do that to Mike Quaddy to be like, Quaddy's getting voted out of office. Uh, thank God. Hey, if, Ryan, so- if Ryan Tapera can pick up an MVP vote, and anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, it, and it was it was just so great i mean obviously theo being great at the job was wonderful um but one like one thing that stood out about him so early to me was how he was a guy who said the thing he meant and he talked about the team in a way that we would you know like he didn't seem he wasn't in denial about the team's flaws especially in early years i mean you could say in recent years he still wasn't in denial just things didn't really happen to change it the last couple years as much but it it was so refreshing to hear a guy who was as like as honest about the team and the Mm -hmm. job as he was you know and in a way on that subject it's appropriate that it ended the way it did yesterday because i mean we knew from the day that theo signed with the cubs he dropped the bill walsh line on us that it's it's 10 years and then you pretty much have to move on and the fact that his tenure ended like nine years later, uh, a day that everybody was me- mentally preparing for for the past couple of years, it was like, okay, this is just one last moment of honesty and transparency. And it's the most appropriate thing to go out on for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I assume you guys have both read it, but for anybody listening who has not, now would be a really good time to reread uh, The Cubs Way by Tom Verducci because that book, it lays out just the sheer ineptitude of the Cubs organization before Theo <laughs> came in to a degree that seems almost impossible. Like there, there's literally stuff in that book about like, you know, in 2010, 2011, people still like sending faxes with like trade information to each other. Like the entire organization was so egregiously behind in all facets that it really did take someone coming in and being like, we are tearing all of this down and creating an entirely new infrastructure. And I don't know that there's ever been a culture shift like this in all of sports. I don't think I'm like overstating it to say that. Yeah. And Jim Hendry had to hire someone to print out emails and print out web pages and put them on his desk because <laughs> apparently he didn't know how to use Netscape, in t- let alone <laughs> Explorer or, or Chrome or whatever. <laughs> so you, can't just, you can't just ask Jeeves which good <laughs> outfielders are out there in 2011. <laughs> Yeah, my my man's out here looking up war on Alta Vista. In the, in the Jim, early... Jim Hendry's got a real uh, guy who, for some reason, still uses Bing. Uh, yeah. five. Jeeves recommends you draft Corey Patterson. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Corey. It was, it was such a fave. God, even I mean, I feel like with general man with general, general managers or team president uh, in in, uh, in Theo's case, like it's the things you think about most are the, are the trades and the, uh, and free agent signings. And obviously we, we can, we can touch on, you know, a lot of the the great ones there, but also just talking about Corey Patterson, like drafting people who were good, who became good. It is talking about like how insane and backwards the Cubs organization was for so, so long. 
sometime if you want to feel more depressed in uh, our current climate, <laughs> look at the Cubs draft picks, like starting any time, like from like 1990, let's say, and then up until recently. It, it is shocking how any team could even like by chance miss on that many high first round picks. Right. And, and it's then, not even people who like didn't, you know weren't stars it's people who you're like i don't even know who that is i don't think that person made it to the bigs ryan harvey where are you at my dude you know like it's just just an insane like insane amount of like you know i'm sure they're nice gentlemen but nobody's baseball wise and then theo came and again it's almost like the rickets picking theo but chris bryant was sitting there at number two they picked chris bryant it's obvious but they had to friggin' do it you know they could have gone with jonathan gray instead so yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, I mean, Kyle Schwarber was what, number four? And everyone, mm-hmm. what the hell are you doing? And I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have blamed Theo at that point. He said, picking up the motherfucking World Series winning DH, bitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Suck my dick. That's yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll know what that means in several years. This is like a rated our time travel movie. Uh, yeah, don't worry. It's a, it's a baseball reference. It's not me being me. It's a, it's a thing you're going to see uh, lip reading at first base. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> And it's not just the drafting either. Uh, And I'm thinking about the comparisons between the way the Cubs handled prospects in the Corey Patterson, Felix PA, Kevin Roberson, on and on and on era up until Theo. Compare that to the development of Javi Baez, who was not a Hendry draft pick, or not not a Theo draft pick. He was a Hendry. Yes, right. But was very much the Corey Patterson skill set when they brought him up in 2014. Big power. Incredible raw skills, obviously amazing athletic talent, struck out 40% of the time. And everybody knew watching him that year that this is not acceptable at, at the big league level. And they had to send him back down in 2015 for almost the entire season to work on getting some kind of, I mean, close to consistent contact rate in, into his skill set. And to Javi's eternal credit, too, he realized that I need to work on this and I need to improve this in order to actually have an impact. But before then, the Cubs' philosophy with prospects was essentially, we're going to anoint one person the savior of our minor league system. We're going to tell you about him over and over for like two or three solid years. We're not going to touch him in the minor leagues. Like the McPhail philosophy seemed to be hands off Patterson, hands off Felix P.A., and then just when he gets to the big leagues, hope he's great. And if he flails, well, uh, I mean, he was, he was great <laughs> when we drafted him. Yeah. And Theo knew and injected into the system the idea that just hoping he's great and athletic skills were not good enough and not acceptable enough. And that permeated the organization. And that led to the Cubs way, as Adam was talking about. Yeah. Right. And, yeah and I don't know that you get the version of Javi that you get without having the – I don't know if balls is the right term, but just like trusting yourself enough to be like, look, you are a star, but you need to work on some stuff in the same way that he did with Hap when Hap went down to the minors. And I don't know that you get the season out of Hap that you did this year without him working on some shit down there. And just the the having some sort of top to bottom organizational competence, like to mm-hmm. to shepherd these guys and to actually have, as Ken's talking about, development with the prospects you have, because that's the thing too. I mean, the Cubs drafted poorly, but it's it would be even crazier to think like they couldn't have done better with the talent they drafted before. You right. know, it was clearly a, an incompetent organization, top to bottom in the development sense, and. So, I mean, there's just been, there's, there have just not been many top of the draft 
misses for the Cubs during the the Theo era, and obviously there's been you know the, the Almora, I guess, is the main is the main one that comes to mind. Yeah, Almora's and that that was their their first pick and stuff, and even Almora, and you know, it's a first round draft pick doesn't have to be a complete star to be a success either. You know, right. it, you have to fill out the roster, and Almora had had times where he was what they needed to fill out that roster too. So as far as a miss, that's not even a terrible miss. You know I mean? My God, like Elmore would have been of the first round draft picks in the nineties. I mean, where would Elmore rank? Pretty high, right? Well, Which is a and, bummer, but you know. Yeah. And, and the other thing about someone like Elmore, and I don't want to, you know, act like him tagging up is justifies him going that high in the draft. But in, in the Cubs way, there's a part where they're talking about how much they tried to build around character. And that when they drafted Elmore and talked to him, he literally said, like, I just want to win. I want to be part of a winning team. Like, even if it's stealing a base, like, anything that you need, like, I want to be able to contribute. And it's cool looking back that, I mean, that's that's an enormous moment in the history of the Cubs. It, it Like, that's our Dave Roberts stealing second moment. Absolutely is. And, you know, one pinch running appearance in Game 7 of the World Series that leads to the winning rally. I mean, Brooks Kieschnick never did that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I, I am <laughs> sad by how many Cubs '90s top draft picks I know off the top of my head. Like, yeah, that's. I mean, I I remember the being excited about Pat Klein for many years. <laughs> you know, the the uh, <laughs> absolutely Ozzy Timmons, Tampa Bay coaching, uh, Tampa Bay coach now. You and I think there, there's a guy, and his name does not is not popping into my head. But there was one guy they drafted in the first round was only famous because in college he hit somebody in the face in the on-deck circle. Ben Christensen yes. of Wichita State. Yes, absolutely. And, man, what, and talking about how in the Cubs way, they, one of their sort of, you know, I guess, I don't know if market inefficiencies is the right way to, to call it, but talking about focusing on character and character being something where char- a person with good character is also more likely to have the work ethic and to care enough to make the most of their talent. Uh, man, what a, I mean, what a great comparison between the last two, orga- uh, you know, the last two or- organizations really within the Cubs where uh, you're picking Ben Christensen who like throws hard and is famous for being a piece of shit and that's it. <laughs> And he doesn't succeed. And then we, uh, you know, we have a core of players who, for the most part, the core, you can feel good about as people that have come uh, come up through the Cubs. Every year, they seem to trade for one douchebag, yeah. like, who just, which is a weird thing that it seems like they hold off as long as they can. Then they're like, fine, Chapman, Murphy, whatever, <laughs> just someone who sucks right. as a person. Uh, but I think something that, I will also miss about Theo is it can be hard to try like rooting for any large group of people is going to be fraught morally because you, you know, at some point there is an element of rooting for laundry. And I think we all prefer to root for people who are good. Having Theo run the organization not that the guy's a, a saint or anything, but like this is a man of good character by everything we know. And this is a guy who you never had to worry about saying something that would make you feel bad about rooting for the team you do. And that's unlike the ownership group pretty hard uh, with the Cubs. So it's really, I mean, what a pleasure it's been to have someone who was competent, who communicated with the fans the way he did, who seemed to be, to understand that this is more than just numbers here in baseball and someone who just, you could feel good about being like that guy is, is never going to make me feel bad for being a Cubs fan. 
Yeah, and not not, not true of all Epstein's, but Theo for sure. <laughs> Theo, yeah. thank, thank God we got that Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Leave this one alone. <laughs> I mean, g- given the Ricketts taste and things, yeah, that that's not a hundred percent given that they picked the right Epstein. It feels more like someone who would own the Marlins, to be honest. Yeah, it's a very Marlins move. But yeah, it, it, I mean, back in 2011, they're like, OK, we've ridden on planes with two Epsteins. Let's, <laughs> it's going to be one that we're going to hire. And uh, I'm oh, glad boy. they I'm glad they went with the totally unrelated Theo one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, there is certainly an element of ruthlessness to Theo uh, in terms of team construction, especially yeah. when he feels like that there's one guy who's going to put him put the team over the top. And in the case of 2016, uh, much as Chaplin is still one of the biggest pieces of shit in baseball, I mean, yeah, that move did, in game five, uh, they needed every out that Chapman gave them, unfortunately, and I guess yeah. kind of fortunately for the result of things. And it, it does complicate things, and it, it does, when you look back on it, realize you were cheering your favorite team ever includes Chapman and Russell. I mean, that does add a bit of eh, feel to it. Uh, but uh, yeah, in, in the overall big picture, and especially when it comes to thinking about what Theo stands for and, and the things he said and his philosophy of life in general, yeah, it's it's definitely much more for the good than, than for the ill, I think. Yeah, and uh, and it's just like, I mean, the other guys who've been the Theos for us in our lifetimes. I mean, Henry obviously, <clears throat> Henry obviously was the last one. There was, I guess, McPhail, Ed Lynch. Yep. Um, Ed Lynch and then uh, Larry Himes before that. Ooh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Just ask any player of the mid-90s Cubs what they think of Larry Himes and Duck. <laughs> yeah. I, it's it, it's and this is a feeling that uh, I was talking about a little bit in the in the chat and uh, that we have uh, our, our little Facebook messenger group. But it's similar, but heightened. It's a similar but heightened feeling that I had when uh, when Joe Madden left, where I understand the move from Madden to Ross. I I do under understand it. Um, but my feeling at the time was. If David Ross hits his very highest potential, he might be almost as good as Joe Madden, you know. And I think that's how I, I, I am encouraged with the fact that Jed Hoyer is going to be there. I think that is that I, I obviously I, I would I, I would and I assume we all would like to see maybe in the GM position, possibly someone from outside the organization come in. I mean, Dan Kat- Kantrovitz came in from outside the organization a year ago and seems to be a very uh, in- intriguing name. Um, but I, I do enjoy the fact that we'll have Jed Hoyer sort of keeping some level of consistency to the vibe that Theo brought here. But <clears throat> it's hard it's hard to shake the feeling that, like, it's almost impossible to ever do as well as Theo Epstein in this job again. And it should be, honestly. Yeah. It's, it's just the same kind of, like, emotional reaction when you think about, like, if they ever win the World Series again, God willing, let's hope so, it's going to be impossible to duplicate that feeling we had from 2016. Like you can only have one miracle in your life, baseball wise. And we have had that already thanks to Theo and Joe. So because of that, just, just through the sheer nature of the historic, uh, this historic nature of, of their win, you're not going to be able to, to du- duplicate that regardless. So you're just kind of hoping for the next best thing. And yeah, if 
they win another World Series under Jed Hoyer and David Ross, I'm willing to not be as excited as I was in 2016, but still be the second happiest I've ever been watching baseball. That seems Absolutely. okay. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, to be honest, I feel like, you know, sitting here talking to you guys about this, like, it makes me emotional thinking about, like, what we and, and all Cubs fans, but even just the three of us specifically, have gotten to experience together over the past five years. Like, when I think of, like, some of my best memories as a sports fan, it, it's largely uh, from this this Cubs team. Like, watching the 2015 wildcard game and just like that relief and, you know, being able to experience that together and being in Chicago for the world series and, you know, being at that shitty bar in 2017 for the, the Cubs nationals uh, respect me game, you know, like all of, it's just such a gift. I'm so, I'm so thankful for it. And obviously I think we've all had our frustrations over the past few years, but the fact that like we, we have the privilege to be frustrated when they lose in the first round of the playoffs Think about what that would have sounded like to us 10 years ago to, to know that that was like the baseline for what a Cubs team would be. Yeah, it's um, it's removed the sense of of doom from whenever the Cubs disappoint from yeah. going forward at this point. Like, yeah, when they lose in the wild card game in 2018 or get swept by the Marlins, yeah, I get pissed off. And yes, sometimes I attack ESPN broadcasts on Twitter. <laughs> I had your back. <laughs> the, 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 that, that was fine. You were in the right. Fuck you, Boog. <laughs> yeah, Boog, who I like for the most part, yeah. but he was yeah. he was fucked up there. Yeah. I, 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 I shouldn't tweet whenever the Cubs are losing. Well, that, that, <laughs> yeah, we, that is Ken's version of me being Tony LaRusso level drunk, is <laughs> just when, when the Cubs are losing. <laughs> uh, but but that that feeling of of outrage and and disappointment that ebbs real quick when it's over because there's no longer the sense of and it's just another year of disappointment to add to the pile and am I ever going to you know yeah. have the payoff that that I've made for this emotional commitment I've made like that's all gone and that that's yeah. entirely thanks to the past five years and and just in terms of what Adam was talking about uh, how the Cubs have what they've meant to our relationship like i have not hugged like anyone other than my dad as much as i have like you guys over the past five years almost entirely thanks to the cubs and especially this year like that underlines just how much the simple act of hugging another person means so, yeah uh what a hugs above replacement level that, <laughs> that theo has brought to life that's how you bring the heartbeat back into baseball. Like that, that that's a stat we should be making popular going forward. Yeah. And I mean, that was, and that was something he touched on a little bit in his, uh, in his uh, presser yesterday. And I'm, I'm going to miss his press conferences too, but was just the, uh, how he felt as the Cubs were building and as they were executing their plan that they did to perfection and that he called his shot on day one, you know, basically to the year was the feeling that he was that the lines blurred between him, the players, the fans around the team at that time and how he was surprised at the emotional connection. Um, and, you know, I think that's an amazing it's an amazing thing. And it's great. And like having great memories like this and great success like this, it's not a given in any part of life. And I think that's part of what makes this such an emotional thing for us that uh, with Theo, Theo's reign coming to an end now. And it's also such like it's one of the time I'm not a big crier, but I I had tears 
when I was at the game when Kerry Wood retired and it surprised me. And I was like, why is this hitting me so hard? And I think it's a little bit of why Theo leaving hits me and hits many people hard is it is such a representation of just that like nothing lasts forever and that time goes on this is an extremely irish thing for me to say but, but it's like the uh just the feeling that like man this was this was such a great era and as some of the players he brought here you know we can't keep them all forever and and can't keep theo forever but man what just what a beautiful nine years this guy has given us Amazing. Yeah, how and quick, uh, no, go ahead, Ken. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just want to say it's amazing how quick these nine years have been. Like, oh my god, yeah. This the Theo yeah. Epstein era feels shorter than like the entirety of the 2011 season to me. <laughs> Absolutely, right. absolutely. I mean, I feel like Arizmendi Alcantara was just here. Like, it's it's <laughs> oh, it's geez. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I just you know I <laughs> I feel like this sounds like something that would be in the in the home furnishing section of a of a Target, but like the old cliche about. You know, don't be sad that it's over. Be be happy that it happened. Like that's that's really how I feel right now. Is um, we knew the writing was on the wall. We knew that at at most probably it was going to be over after after next year. And even with Madden to a degree, I think we we kind of as things were winding down um, last season, like felt like that might be happening. But um, whatever happens the rest of our lives as Cubs fans, like we get to have this, and nobody can take that away from us. And I I'm like just so filled with with gratitude like not our lives are not the same our lives are not the same they will never be the same and that is thanks to theo yeah gratitude is the big word there like uh, i am i i can't remember any cub era before this where i looked back and went i am i am so thankful that i got to watch all that and uh yeah. and that's that's just the feeling i have right now and, and like going forward every time we look back on this like Nostalgia justifiably gets made fun of a lot in the context of talking about sports, but like this is this particular era, like every t- single time they trot out this, these players, whenever they're done playing and they have the retrospectives and the anniversaries, I'm going to, I, I want to be there for everyone. Yeah. I'm in. I want to wallow in the nostalgia. This is, this is, this is something I don't ever want to leave. Uh, that 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 feeling that that I have inside when I when I that just kind of general warmth and thankfulness, gratitude, and even love a little bit for these guys, you know. Right, and and I think the thing that that I really appreciate about Theo in um you know his kind of farewell letter, and if anybody hasn't read it, obviously do so. But like when I think of all the things I hate about Rob Manfred, those are the <laughs> things that I love about Theo Epstein. Like he <laughs> loves baseball. He first and foremost, obviously, he's a shrewd businessman. He's incredible at what he does, but he loves baseball. And that comes through and that's always come through. And it certainly came through in, in how he described what it was like for him watching what we watched. And like you, you think of him in this different category, but like we saw all that footage of him at games. I'll never forget what he looked like in that game in San Francisco when they started coming back. Like that is etched into my mind. I'll never forget what he looked like when they got that final out of the NLCS and he's hugging Eddie Vedder. Like all, he's a fan. And of course there's a lot at stake for him, but at the, at the, you know, at the end of the day, he, was a fan like we were. Yeah, it's not a Belichickian embrace of success. It's he you can you can tell that he really feels it and there is happiness to this guy. And I mean, it, a, a great soundbite to end this on would be him, him after game 7 when he said to the cameras, he said uh, Jed's in charge, I'm going on a bender. And <laughs> it's like, I mean, that is that's what that's what's up now, you know, is it, it, Jed's up and Theo's had a well-deserved bender. Uh, He's going to go uh, live his live his party at Napoli. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, get, he should put on the mustache and get back in the bleachers next year if we have the vaccine out. Uh, just another, I mean, just another fun little Theo moment, uh, his incognito bleacher stuff. Um, we, as we have just a couple minutes left here, uh, we, uh, sh- sh- you all want to say your favorite Theo move, your, fa- your favorite Theo uh, acquisition, or, I mean, um, well, Ken, you want to go ahead? It's, I mean, I'll, I'll go with the obvious one and uh, the trade for Anthony Rizzo. Like, mm-hmm. that was the signal to me, like, especially coming off the Hendry era, that this was, we were now going to be looking at players who had the kind of on-base skills that the Red Sox, the entire Red Sox lineup was made of. And that was the hope that there was so much invested hope-wise in him that he would develop that way. And, and to see him just become the player he is right now, like yeah, he is he is the metaphor for this Cub era for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean for me it's um, December of 2014. I was in San Diego. I took a tour of Petco Park. I went to the winter meetings just to like see what it was like, wander around. Didn't see shit, but it was still cool to be like in the building. And then I remember that night I had my I was doing a show. I took my phone off airplane mode, saw like 30 texts from people about John Lester, and was like, oh my god, it's 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 happening. I think those are a perfect two because Rizzo was uh, Rizzo was the change in this organization yeah. from bad to good, and yeah. Lester was the change from good to champion. Yeah, know? Lester and, and Madden. Yep. Yeah, and that's and that was uh, that was what I was going to say was that yeah. I, for me I was going to throw the Joe Madden acquisition in there. Yeah. I, I, almost uh, another version of the Cubs getting Theo to begin with. It was the most obvious thing to do. It was the right thing to do, and they did it. <laughs> and I mean, the fact that, and obviously, tra- trading Dempster for Kyle Hendricks, and, and you could go Arietta down the line. Arietta Strope is arguably the greatest trade in Cubs history. I mean, like, it, yeah. you know, right there with, with the Rizzo deal. I mean, finding Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist, the Ben Zobrist signing is just, also a day that, that Kevin was at the winter meetings. I believe yeah. that's right. That was when I was when I was starting to get in the moves. My God, <laughs> Zoom has has us on less than a minute left. You guys want to do the do the plugs and, and bounce? Uh, sure. Right. Instagram at Ken Thin Guy, Twitter at Ken Schultz underscore. Every Friday, new episode. And at Away Games Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, I, I, happy birthday, Ken. Happy half birthday, Adam. And, you know, thank you, Theo. Yeah.